Father, thank the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. That day is coming. And Father, we thank you that is a day that is worth waiting for. And Father, we pray that you teach us. Teach us to wait. Teach us to be people of faith. Teach us to be people who see what you are doing, who, who learn to trust you. Our Father, please teach us, we pray. As a church family, would you shape us and mold us to be what you want us to be through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to start by hearing uh, the first bit of Habakkuk read. Um, Lily and Flo are going to come and read Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. So I'd love you to have that open, and then we'll unpack that together. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert's wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities by building earthen ramps. They capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Wonderful, thank you. Well, I thought we'd start Habakkuk by uh, starting with the first sentence. Uh, I thought we'd just get straight in there, look at the first sentence. Three things in the first sentence that tell us what we're dealing with. Firstly, I want you to see that what we have here is the prophecy. Oh, there we go. The prophecy. It is the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. That's what we're handling, right? Some of the older translations uh, translate that word as the burden, the burden that Habakkuk the prophet received, or the oracle. It is a weighty, serious matter that we're dealing with. It is the word of God. And I want to say that's going to be a problem for us because I think we live in a culture that occupies itself with the trivial, the light, the superficial, things that will entertain us. I mean, that's what Facebook basically does, right? I went on Facebook just to check that I was right, because I have to confess, I'm not brilliant. If you're a friend of mine on Facebook, you'll have noticed that I don't often do anything <laughs> on Facebook. But Facebook I, feeds us an endless stream of the trivial. So I thought, I'll just go on Facebook. What is the top video on my newsfeed that, that is there for me to watch? It was a video, and I promise this it was true, it was a video of a donkey 
and a little girl having a cuddle, right? And the, 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 the phrase underneath it was, I wish I loved anyone as much as this donkey loves this girl. A three-minute video. 35 million people have watched that donkey cuddle that girl. If you do the maths, that is 200 years. 200 years of human civilization has been spent watching a donkey cuddle a girl. That is just one of the videos on my news feed. Now, I think that is funny, and yet it is tragic. We fill our lives with what is trivial, and we all do this. But it's not Habakkuk. There's nothing trivial. There are no trivialities in Habakkuk. This is the prophecy. So I've got to say, if you're here to be entertained this afternoon, I'm really sorry. You're going to be disappointed. Habakkuk is going to push us to think. It's going to challenge us, to unsettle us, to change us. And perhaps even that this afternoon is a word for us. How easily we get sucked into triviality. I wonder if we compared how much time we spent reading the Bible this week compared to how much time we've spent watching videos on YouTube or things of this or stuff of this. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder which dominates our lives, the trivial or the weighty. It's it's the prophecy. That's the first thing. Second, it's the prophecy of the prophet. I realize you can barely see that, so it's almost pointless having it, but never mind. It is the prophecy of the prophet. It's the prophecy that Habakkuk, the prophet, received. We're introduced to this man. We know virtually nothing about him. In fact, we know two things about him. We know he's called Habakkuk, and we know that he was a prophet. Apart from that, we know nothing else about him. He doesn't appear anywhere else in the Bible. He, we don't know. We don't know about his family. We don't know where he was born. We don't know about his life. We don't know whether he was married or had kids. We don't know anything because this is not a human interest story. Habakkuk is not the issue here. The issue is what Habakkuk is going to say, the message that Habakkuk speaks. He is the prophet who speaks the prophecy. Do you know, one of the most precious gifts that God gives to his people is prophets who speak God's word. Over and over again in the Bible, you discover that God gives prophets People who will open their mouths and speak God's truth. Habakkuk stands in a long line of prophets. You can go right back to guys like Moses. He was one of the kind of big first prophets. And uh, look what God said to Moses back in Deuteronomy, which you may or may not be able to read. But I'll read it for you. In Deuteronomy 18, God says this to, to Moses. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. That's what the prophet does, okay? The prophet was given by God, raised up by God, in order to speak the very word of God to the people of God so they could know what God was saying. Do you see why the prophet was so important? And Habakkuk stood in that line. Moses, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, 
Ezekiel, Hosea, Amos, Joel, Habakkuk. He's in the line. One who speaks the word of God. Ah, but at this point, uh, we, we need to recognize something. Let me show you another verse. This is now from the New Testament. Look what the book of Hebrews says. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. So understand this, the line of prophets from Moses. What was the problem? Why was Moses? He was great in everything, but there's one big problem with Moses. He died. That's a problem. But it's okay, because God's going to raise up another one. He died. Another one. He died. Another one. He died. Habakkuk. He died. And God spoke through these guys. But suddenly, in these last days, he has done something more wonderful than Habakkuk. He's spoken to us Through his son, his son Jesus. Jesus is the great prophet raised up, just like God said in Deuteronomy, raised up from among the people, raised up to be God's mouthpiece. God put his words into the very mouth of Jesus. Every word that Jesus spoke was the very word of God. He's the great prophet. And what makes Jesus such a great prophet? It was only a week ago we were celebrating it. He's not dead. He's not dead. Which means he is the final greatest revelation, the final word of God found in Jesus, the the great prophet. So we should expect Habakkuk to in some way point us forward to Jesus because they're in the same line. Habakkuk is like a prototype Jesus. We can learn from Habakkuk about the great prophet Jesus. So here is the prophet. And thirdly, uh, just in our kind of walk through verse 1, the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. The prophecy the prophet received. It was given to him. He didn't make it up. He didn't dream it up. In fact, being a prophet wasn't something you decided you were going to be. You know, if if a little kid in Israel said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'd like to be a prophet. I think their mum and dad would have said, no, no, you don't get to choose that. God appoints prophets. It's not a chosen career. It's something that is received. It's a grace. It's a gift. So as we get into this book of Habakkuk, I want to be crystal clear what we're handling. We are handling a weighty, serious... (coughs) Word from God himself given through this man Habakkuk. This is God speaking through Habakkuk. Now I want you to imagine for a second that God did not speak. Imagine if God was silent. Imagine if there was no word from God. We would have no clue. Imagine if God stopped speaking. Imagine if in church we said, um, we all came together, we sang, we did the notices, that was good, we're going to have a little auction thing, yeah, we're looking forward to that. And now it's time for the sermon and there's nothing. There's silence. There's no word. There's no Bible. There's, no, there's nothing. There's no word from God. Do you, do you not see? We take it for granted that God speaks. The other day I was cycling um, And I I was cycling to somewhere I didn't know, and it was quite a long way. 
for me. <laughs> I appreciate these things are relative. I was cycling to Kingston. I think that's quite a long way. Uh, anyway, I didn't know where I was going, but it was okay because I had a sat-nav, which is always dodgy on a bike. <laughs> you're not really... anyway. anyway, the sat-nav talks to you. It speaks. It says, turn left here, turn right. Anyway, got halfway there, and my phone battery, very bizarrely, just completely cut out, and it disappeared. It stopped speaking. There was no word. There was, no, there was no voice from Satnav. And I was like, well, what do I do? I was completely lost. I was like, Siri. <laughs> Siri, you there? Don't abandon me now, Siri. Alexa, Cortana, is anyone there? <laughs> Come on, there's so many of you. <laughs> Surely one of you's got a word for me. There was nothing. I was lost. I saw I got up a hill. I realized I'd gone wrong. So I got down the hill. I was completely hopeless. If God did not speak, if there is no word from God, we are lost. We have no clue. We're left trying to guess. Do we go up this hill? I don't know. Oh no, we've made a mess of that. Let's go down here. Let's try another way. We're lost. Here is the great news of the Bible. God speaks his weighty, glorious, majestic word. He speaks it to us. Do you have any idea what a privilege it is to be sitting here now, allowed to hear God speak? I take it for granted. So here it is. Here's Habakkuk. But there's something very interesting about Habakkuk's prophecy. Because normally you'd expect a prophecy to be like, the prophet goes, okay, God, tell me what to say. God says, I want you to say this, 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 and this. Okay. And the prophet goes and says, this, 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 and this to the people. That's not what happens in Habakkuk at all. The prophecy that Habakkuk receives is an encounter with God. It's a conversation between Habakkuk and the Lord God Almighty. He's not simply given a message to pass on. There's a series of questions and answers. This is God interacting with Habakkuk. Revelation, when God reveals himself, it's not just information that needs to be passed on. It's a relationship that needs to be experienced. This is not simply information we need to know. It's an invitation to join in and experience the same encounter with the living God that Habakkuk had. God says, this is how I want you to encounter me. We're to stand with Habakkuk. We're to come to know God like Habakkuk did. So here it is. Habakkuk is a very easy, easy book. There are tough things away along the way, but basically it's very easy. It goes like this. Question, answer. Question, answer. Sing. That's it. And people argue about which is the most important verse in Habakkuk, and there's all sorts of different ideas. I think the last verse could be argued as the most important if a little obscure, look at the last, the last sentence of Habakkuk. For the director of music on my stringed instruments. <laughs> Isn't that a great verse? Why, why is that so important? It's important because it tells you that when Habakkuk gets to the end of his encounter with God, he is left singing music. He is left in a place where he says, I want to sing. It's not where he starts. 
And therefore, as we go through the book of Habakkuk, I believe God's desire for us as a church is that we would come to a place of singing even in the face of great sorrow. That's what we're going to learn in Habakkuk. So that's how it works. Um, I, want you to, I want you to remember that. Um, question, answer, question, answer, sing. That's how it works. And as we encounter God in this book, in particular, we're going to be pushed to think hard about the nature of faith. Now, although I might like to think uh, the last verse is the most important verse, most people think the most important verse is Habakkuk 2, verse 4. So have a look at that with me. Um, And I'll explain why. And this will take us, I think, into the heart of this I'm trying to set up the whole book for us here to get a sense of what the whole book is about. Habakkuk 2, verse 4. God is, this is, we've had a question, we've had an answer, we've had a question. This is the answer to the second question. It says, see, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. Right, here it is. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Better, uh, as in the footnote, the righteous person will live by faith. That is a really important verse. This book is going to show us that to be right with God means to live by faith, to trust him. There was a man called uh, Paul, and he was doing his uh, Bible studies one day, his uh, daily quiet times on the book of Habakkuk. And that verse was so important to him that when he wrote the book of Romans in the New Testament... That became the foundation, a foundational verse for him. The righteous will live by faith. What does it mean to live by faith? That's what Habakkuk is going to show us. If you want to get to singing, you've got to understand what it means to live by faith. And we talk about faith a lot. But I wonder if, if I asked you, what is faith? What does it mean to live by faith? I wonder what you'd say. I wonder if sometimes it's a little bit um, abstract for us. Oh, yeah, I want to have faith. Faith is this kind of thing that I'm to have. And I probably don't have enough of it, and I'd like more of it, but I'm not quite sure what it is. And it's a bit like candy floss. You know, it, it's there, and you bite into it, and then it, it's, not, it's not, it's kind of wispy and not sort of slightly real. If that's how you think of faith, and it may not be, but if that's how I think a lot of us kind of have that sense of it's sort of mystical. No, it's not. Faith is nothing like that. Faith isn't some, oh, yes, you've got to have faith. No, faith is a real, solid, practical thing. In the face of sorrow, difficulty, despair, injustice, and evil, it means saying, I'm trusting God, even when it doesn't make sense. That's not wispy candy floss rubbish. That's real That's what Habakkuk's going to show us. The righteous will live by faith. I'm going to trust him. What does does it look like in the nitty-gritty of life? Habakkuk's not living in a bubble. He's living in a broken world. So let's get into these first... I'm just doing the first five verses today, okay? First five verses, and then we'll basically do the first question and then start the first answer. Um... And I hope this is going to be really practical for us. Um, Here's my first big point. Two big points. Here's the first one. Faith asks how long. If we're going to be people of faith, 
We need to learn to pray how long. So have a look at with me at um, Habakkuk chapter 1. I'm going to go from verse 2. Listen to Habakkuk. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Habakkuk is questioning, can't you see him questioning? How long? Why? Why? Why, Lord? Habakkuk is looking around at the nation around him in which he's living. Here he is living in Judah in, or Israel in God's people. He's looking at his culture. He's looking at his people he's living among. And he cannot see that God is doing anything. Why aren't you doing anything, God? Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you saving? Now, we don't know exactly what period Habakkuk was living through. Uh, For those who are interested in dates and know something of the history, it was sometime between the northern kingdom being taken off into exile by Syria and the southern kingdom being taken off into exile by Babylon. It was sometime between those two. Assyria is diminishing in its power. Babylon is increasing in its power. Don't worry if you're not too up on the history. It doesn't matter. But here is an example of what was happening. There was a king called Manasseh during that period. Here's an example. Let me just read you a bit of what was happening. This is the sort of thing um, that Habakkuk might have been seeing. Manasseh did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable... This is the king of God's people, right? He's supposed to be leading the people. He followed the detestable practice of the nations. He bowed down to the starry hosts and worshipped them. In the temple, the place where you were supposed to worship God... He built altars to the starry hosts. He sacrificed his own son in the fire. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the evil of taking your own child and burning them to a false god? This is what Habakkuk's seen. Manasseh shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem from end to end. That's what Habakkuk sees. And he feels it. And he cries out, how long? Do you you not feel the pain in that cry? Do you know, we need to feel it. It comes from a place of real anguish. Habakkuk is utterly broken by what he sees around him. The sheer evil and violence and injustice. And Habakkuk isn't the only one. In the Bible, this prayer, how long, how long, how long, comes up over and over again. Here's some. Psalm 6, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Psalm 13, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Psalm 89, how long, Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Revelation chapter 6, they called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Now, don't worry if you haven't got all that. I'm trying to show you that this prayer, this cry, how long? That is a right prayer. That's a prayer of faith. And I think we need to learn how to pray how long. 
Because I don't think I'm very good at that. I don't think I look at the way I pray and see that I'm often saying, how long, Lord? Why is this? Why? Why? How? When are you going to act? It's a cry that we need to feel. Now, at first, you might say to me, look, if you're still with me, you might say to me, that doesn't sound like faith. That's not the sort of faith I thought. I thought faith. You know, I think of someone of faith. I think of someone who serenely glides through life. Says, it doesn't matter, the Lord is in control. I'm trusting him. I'm trust. No, I trust. It's all right, I trust. Someone who never seems to have any questions, who never doubts anything, who never struggles, never seems to have any problems. That's not real faith. This is real faith. God reveals faith to us here. This is the encounter we should pursue with God. When we're faced with injustice and evil and suffering and pain and heartache and questions, this is the encounter. We cry to him, how long, Lord? That's faith. In that desperation, how long? We need to learn this from Habakkuk. Because by nature, we don't react to evil in this way. This isn't a prayer that comes naturally to us. See, I, I, I think I react to evil in different ways. Okay, this is interesting. Here are four things that Habakkuk doesn't do that I think by nature we do do. And these are the evidence of unfaith. And this will help you to see why what Habakkuk does is faith and this is not faith. It all makes sense. Um, firstly, Habakkuk doesn't ignore the evil he sees around him. He's not ignoring it. He's not an ostrich who buries his head in the sand. I think that's why I often don't pray, how long, O oh Lord? Because I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered by the evil and the injustice I see around me. It, it doesn't bother me. I don't feel the, the pain of it. I don't see how glorious God is and therefore when people don't worship him and when they treat him and they reject him, I don't feel the pain of that. Habakkuk did. That's why he cried out how long. We have things pretty comfortable here in the UK. We can be lulled into thinking that Christianity is... That, you know, that it's not that bigger problem. It's all right. You know, it's a bit of a struggle, but it's all right. Maybe some of us, we're ostriches. We bury... If it comes close, then we're bothered. (laughs) If it begins to impinge on us. Or perhaps we don't ignore it. Um, Perhaps we despair. Sometimes our response to evil can be to despair. You know, we watch some horrific story about evil happening somewhere in the world of, of brutality, of slavery, of horrific treatment. And we just feel depressed. We just think, what's the point? This world's so evil. We become cynical. Not so much an ostrich, more of an eel. Just a sort of, oh, this is nothing good. It's all bad. You see, cynics stop praying. You don't pray if you're cynical. What's the point? What's the point of praying? We were praying last Wednesday evening at our prayer meeting for North Korea. I mean, it's difficult not to get cynical, isn't it? And to think, well, what's the point of that? Why, do you, why, why, why would I pray? Such an evil 
regime, such evil that's happening there, such injustice that's happening there. But what, what good is praying going to do? You see, that's the opposite of faith. Habakkuk doesn't do that. Habakkuk isn't cynical. He's not despairing. He doesn't turn away and say, well, I'm just going to keep my head down. No, Habakkuk prays how long? Some of us attempted to be eels. Some attempted to be ostriches. We bury our heads and we ignore it. Some of us attempted to be eels. We just despair and go, well, what's the point? But others of us are not ostriches or eels. Our response is to start accusing God. How dare you do this? We're finger pointers. We say to God, you should, you should act. You've done evil. You're wrong. And we become angry with God. Accuse him of doing wrong. Why don't you act? Do you know, I was on a train the other day. And, and I was sitting on a chair. And you know how they go back to back, the chairs. On the seat, this side of the chair, there was a little kid. Now I was on my own. I didn't have my kids with me which always makes me more impatient. And uh, this kid was, he was like jumping on the chair, banging the arms. I'm trying to get some work done, right? He's banging the arms of the chair, and his dad is sitting next to him. And I'm sitting there going, why doesn't he do something? You get more and more angry. I think it must be because I'm, I've turned 40 and I'm a grumpy old man now. I used to be much more tolerant. Um, but you find, I just got, now, of course, I didn't say anything to him, because I'm very English, and I, you know, to say, excuse me, would you mind stopping your child? I just got angry inside. I didn't speak to him, I just got angry. And I think that that often happens when things go wrong in our lives, or when we experience suffering and injustice. We don't talk to God about it, we just get angry with him about it. We blame him, and we kind of go, well, you don't know what I'm bothering with being a Christian, you're not doing anything to help me. We talk about God, but we don't talk to him. Or, perhaps we become um, advisors. We try and tell God what to do. Hello, God, there's a problem in North Korea. I've got a few ideas. Why don't you try this? My praying is often like that. God, I think I've got a solution for how to win London for Christ. <laughs> but you see, the Habakkuk doesn't do that. He doesn't come telling God what to do. He simply comes with this cry, How long, Lord? And my guess is that between us in this room, those four responses, we probably covered most of those. By nature, some of us will tend to one of those and not the other. But none of us by nature will lean to this. To just fall before God and to cry to him, How long, Lord? How long until you act? Please, please act. And yet that, I think, is the cry of faith. God, I can't do anything. I'm so weak, and yet you're so holy and good. And look, I mean, just look at what Habakkuk sees. I haven't got time to go into it. I was going to do a whole load of stuff on this. I haven't got much time on this. But Habakkuk sees two big things. He sees violence and he sees injustice. That's what he sees all around him. In a world that rejects God, you end up with violence and you end up with injustice. That's what he sees. When humanity first rejected God, you know, the first baby that was born was a murderer. As soon as you get rid of God, you will end up with violence because suddenly, rather than living to worship God, I live for myself and therefore there's violence as I try to harm others in order to get what I want. 
One of the marks of a society that has rejected God is that violence comes in. Do you know the philosophy that lies behind much of our culture is Darwinian evolution, right? That is a philosophy that tends towards violence. However much people want to say it doesn't, it does. This is what Darwin wrote. The civilised races of man will almost certainly exterminate and replace the savage races through the world. That's obvious. When we go to uh, Australia and we discover Aborigines there and we're stronger than them, well, we kill them. Obviously. Because that's evolution. You see, this is, the, this is the philosophy. Of course there's violence. Of course we live in a violent world. Because we've abandoned God. It's the Christians who stood up and said, no, these are our brothers. It's Wilberforce who stood up and said, no, we... He's not a slave. He's to be my brother. Do you not see? As soon as you reject God and bow down to worship the starry hosts or to worship science or to worship whatever it is, as soon as you make that thing God, you will end up in a world of violence. Of course you will. And we may say, well, our culture is not that violent. Yes, it is. It may not be running gun battles on the street, but let's face it, all of us, we're harsh in the way that we use words. We're violent in the way we use our words. We're violent in the way that we think. We're vi- we, we think of harm. We seek to promote ourselves and push others down. Violence is in our culture all around us. Does it bother you? Does it bother you what you see in the world? Does it bother you what you see in your heart? Do you know what it is to fall before God and say, How long, Lord, until you remove my violent heart? How long until you set us free? How long until you bring down the violent? How long, Lord? Violence and and injustice. Because now justice counts for nothing. It's all about the strong ruling the weak. That's what happens. And we're passionate about justice. And we, something in the human heart kind of wants justice and yet doesn't. And We love Hastings in line of duty because he's so, at least at the moment, he may be corrupt. But, you know, all this stuff, we we love justice. And yet we see injustice. And, you know, I just, you think of what happens in our world and the way that people are treated. And does it make our hearts break? It did for Habakkuk. And I want to suggest this week. Here's a challenge for you. Will you pray how long? Will you, will you seek to pray that? And if you don't feel it, if you're the number one who does, just ignores it, will you pray that God would cause you to cry how long? To feel the injustice, to feel the violence, to feel the pain. So that you can cry with Habakkuk, how long? Because that's faith. Faith is not satisfied with the world as it is. Faith, faith longs. And then, just as a tantalizing teaser for next week, God does answer. That's good, isn't it? Habakkuk isn't crying into the nothing. Habakkuk isn't just crying into the blackness. How long, oh Lord, how long? There's no one there. Yes, there is someone there. And his answer is, I am going to do something. (laughs) Just have a look how he answers in verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. 
for I am going to do something. Isn't that terrific? I am going to do something. Something in your days that you would not even believe, even if you were told. And so here's, here's what I want to say to you. If you find yourself in that place of crying out, how long, Lord? If you find yourself in that place of suffering and pain and brokenness, and you feel the evil and the weight of this world, here is God's answer. I am going to do something. I am. Trust me. Have faith. We're going to see next week that it's not quite what Habakkuk was expecting. And if Habakkuk's first question is, God, why won't you do anything? Habakkuk's second question is, not that. (laughs) But that's next week. This week, I want to fill you with a confidence that as you cry, how long, O Lord, God says, I am going to do something. Hold on. Wait. And we have an even greater confidence than Habakkuk did. Because God has acted. In the person of Jesus, God has acted. And with this I want to finish. I want, I'm going to read verses 2 to, five, 2 to 4 again. Listen to how they describe the experience of Jesus. Phenomenal this, how it um, it describes Jesus' experience. I want you to think of Jesus hanging on a cross, crying out into the darkness. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Jesus hanging on the cross, abandoned by his own Father, forsaken by the Father, not saved. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. Jesus experiencing the full force of human violence. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. Look at this. The wicked hem in the righteous. Jesus on the cross, the righteous one, hemmed in by the wicked, surrounded, crushed, oppressed. Justice is perverted. Jesus knows. Jesus knows exactly what it's like to live in a world of violence and injustice. He's experienced it fully. And in that death, is the hope for our world. It is something that we would not believe, even if we were told, something that we would never imagine, something that is beyond our wildest dreams. God has done something. He sent his son, who experienced violence and injustice and death for us. So I I, I want to encourage you. Cry this week. How long, O Lord? How long? Pray it. Feel it. Don't ignore, don't accuse, don't despair, don't advise. Just cry, how long, O Lord? Perhaps it's a personal battle with sin. Cry, how long, O Lord? How long? Please help me. Please help me, how long? Perhaps it's a difficult situation at work. Perhaps it's injustice you see. Perhaps it's watching the news. How long, Lord, will you let IS continue to destroy? How long, Lord? You see, this is how we pray. I'm going to leave this in prayer now. And as you pray that, I want you to hear those words of God, I am going to do something. He does hear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we...
thank you that you speak. Thank you that you speak a word which is good. Thank you that you invite us into this encounter that Habakkuk had. You invite us to come and pray this prayer Habakkuk prayed. How long, Lord? And you invite us to listen to your beautiful answer. I am going to do something. Father, please help us not to ignore evil. Help us not to despair at evil. Help us not to accuse you about evil. Help us not to seek to fix it ourselves. Help us to be men and women of faith. We look to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.